story. And this story begins like most do, which is by saying, once upon a time, you got it. Once upon a time, there was a little city, a village, a hamlet at the bottom of a great big hill. Maybe not too different than this hill, except it was different in one way. There was only one tree. There was one tree right on the top, and it was great. It was enormous. It was beautiful. It stretched out over a hundred yards. And under this tree, the town council met. And under this tree, marriages were made. And under this tree, people were remembered. And under this tree, children had been dedicated and children had been educated. Under this tree, life had taken place. And one day, once upon a time, down in the little village, as sometimes people are wont to do, there were an older couple who were sitting there talking, and a little one, perhaps their great-grandchild, four or five, and these are 90-year-olds, comes up and says, who planted that tree? And the couple looks at each other and says, no one planted that tree. Why would you care? The tree's just there. It's been there my whole life. The tree's been there my grandmother's life and her grandmother's life. Who planted it? But then one of them says, you know, I remember my great-great-great-grandmother telling me that tree didn't used to be alone. There used to be all kinds of trees on that hill. But over time, the other trees were cut down. Some were cut down to make fire. Some of them produced fruit. And the people who took the fruit and harvested it weren't always careful, and the trees slowly lost limbs until they died. Some of them were cut down to make firewood. Some people cut some of the trees down so that they could carve beautiful things. But the word that we received from our ancestors is that that tree survived because it was useless. It wasn't any good to make a board out of. It wasn't any good to burn in a fire. It couldn't be carved. It had no value. So that's a useless tree. And the little child says, it doesn't seem useless to me. That is a uh, broad adaptation of a uh, Chinese story from Shangzi, The Useless Truth. When Kathy asked me to come preach this morning, I was delighted to do so. Uh, and she said, well, now you need to know, I've already picked a title. <laughs> I said, Okay. As some of you may know, I had the honor of working for Kathy, with Kathy for two years as she was the intern minister in Oklahoma City where I was the lead minister. And I can promise you there were many, many times that I gave her a title. And so this is only fair, fair play to, to come back to me and says, here's a title and here's the theme. Go do, go do your thing, which is, uh, which is fine. That's much of what ministry is. And so I looked at that title. Trees We Did Not Plant. And I looked at that theme of theological reflection, theological imagination. And I started by saying, I know that phrase, themes we did not plant, trees we did not plant. And I went to your website and looked and realized that was one of the themes in your recently completed operations fund drive, that notion that an institution is indeed like a tree that you did not plant. Now, there may be some of you here, and I don't see anybody that I know was among the, the charter members of Hope who did plant this tree. Okay, there's one there. So you know what it is to plant a tree. And you know what it's like to be 
after that and to see what comes after. But even if you, when you planted the tree, you didn't plant it all by yourself. There was an institution, there was an organization which inherited. There are roots that feed into a tree. But I did do some looking on that phrase, trees we did not plant. And I found uh, a modern source from it, actually a Unitarian Universalist minister, um, which uh, ministers sometimes do genealogies, you know, who's connected to who. Uh, I was Kathy's intern uh, supervisor. Brent Smith was my intern supervisor. And uh, Brent Smith's intern supervisor was Peter Rabel, who wrote this. We build on foundations we did not lay. We warm ourselves by fires we did not light. We sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. We drink from wells we did not dig. We profit from persons we did not know. This is as it should be. Together we are more than any one person could be. Together we can build across the generations. Together we can renew our hope and faith in life as it is yet to unfold. Together we can heed the call to a ministry of care and justice. We are ever bound in community. May it be so always. Well, I got to thinking and realized that that probably wasn't original. You know, that I've kind of heard those phrases before, that trees we did not plant. I did a little more looking. And as near as I can tell, at least in the Western tradition, this idea goes back to the book of Deuteronomy. Moses has gone to the mountain, and he's come down with the tablets, with the commandments, and the message from God to tell people about the laws. And he's given them the Ten Commandments, and after he's done that, he's now going to talk to them a little bit. and provides one of his little short sermonettes. And he says, The Lord promised your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you this land. Now he will take you there and give you large towns with good buildings that you didn't build. And houses full of good things that you didn't put there. The Lord will give you wells that you didn't have to dig and vineyards and olive orchards that you did not have to plant. But when you have eaten so much of that that you can't eat any more, don't forget it was the Lord who set you free from slavery and brought you out of Egypt. Worship and obey the Lord your God with fear and trembling and promise that you will be loyal to him. So they have not yet gone into the promised land, but they're being reminded that they're going to be given something of great value, something that they are not going to have to build. Now, of course, as the story unfolds, it's not exactly given to them. They have to take it. But they're told to be worshipful for the Lord. And I think for us as moderns, the direction that I would take that is that we are to be thankful for what we have. It's very easy, as we've seen in some political discourse of late, to feel like the things we've had, we built, that we deserve. And the truth is, we really don't deserve much of anything. None of us deserves to be here. None of us deserves the things that we have in some ways. Much of life is an accident of birth. Where you were born, when you were born, nothing you can control.
theological reflection. What is theological reflection? What is that piece of this? I guess I would tell you that for me, the theological reflection is to not just take things on a surface level. That notion of theology that whatever you can imagine of God isn't God, that's just what you can imagine of it. So always to be a little bit doubtful of your understanding. Always to be questing for a different understanding. Another way of thinking about something, another way of seeing it, another way of observing it. So what does it mean to sit under the shade of trees we did not plant? What does it mean to drink from wells we did not dig? What does it mean to have a harvest we did not James Luther Adams, who I'm sure you've heard Kathy mention dozens of times, in one sermon probably, (laughs) I do, took the common axiom that most people know, which comes from the Bible, which comes from Jesus, saying, by their fruits you shall know them. And that's true. By the things that grow out on the ends of the leaves, you shall know them. Adams, being theological, went a little different direction. He said, by their roots you shall know them. By their roots you shall know them. And it's lovely that the tree you have back there does have the roots showing. Because it isn't just the trunk, it isn't just the branches, it isn't just the leaves. But to ask, what are the roots? To what do we owe from the roots that tree. By their roots you shall know them. The roots bring nutrients up from the soil. As I understand it, the trees are the great exchanger of oxygen for nitrogen, retaining nitrogen and releasing oxygen, and they feed the tree. I remember last summer I was at uh, uh, Lake Fort Gibson with our Southwest UU Summer Institute, and uh, my colleague Phil Douglas did a workshop. He took us out to look at a tree, and it was a tree out on the promontory down by the lodge, almost all the way out there, on top of rock. All the, le- the, tr- the roots were just like that one, exposed. But you can tell there must have been some that were going down, some that were still supporting it. And I found myself wondering about those roots deep enough to sustain. And in this case, the roots were pushing down into good water. Obviously pushing down into enough nutrients that this tree with most of its roots displayed could still be showing beautiful leaves and foliage. But I suppose not all trees are quite that lucky. Perhaps some of the trees are like the ones in my story that people had broken too many limbs off of. Perhaps some roots had been pushed down into water that was not so good, into soil that was not so solid. Perhaps some of our lives have not been as advantaged with the tree that we were born under. And that's the interesting piece that came out of the reading that was shared about the first Memorial Day. 
its roots were in the Civil War. The piece that wasn't in that reading is that that special graveyard that was built, that the people went to memorialize, that these thousands and thousands of African Americans went to memorialize that first day, were the bodies of Union soldiers who had died in a Confederate prison of war camp and had been dumped into a common grave. And the community, the African American community, acknowledging their debt to those people, chose to go excavate the bodies, give them individual graves, and acknowledge them. So out of a rootedness of violence, of brutality, of slavery, still can come something good. Because in their heart, they knew hope. In their heart, they felt gratitude. In their heart, they could see a better picture. Roots and trees and leaves and limbs. And trees that bear fruit. Trees that have borne strange fruit. Which, of course, is one of the ways that they were talking about African Americans who had been lynched. A tree with strange fruit. I last night just read a new article about uh, eyewitnesses to the Rice Riot here in Tulsa. And to understand that all of us, not just those in Tulsa, but the flashpoint was here, have roots that go down into something despicable. And the question I ask is, can we find in ourselves the ability to do what that group of African Americans did after the Civil War, to excavate that common grave and give each one dignity, and then to celebrate what they lived for and what they died for? And I don't know whether we can do it or not. I know that there have been many here in Tulsa who have done a great deal of work working toward reparations, and they've been blocked at every turn by the legislature and by the governor, and not just this legislature and not just this governor. But I ask whether we have it in our hearts to come out of the brokenness of that moment and still be able, still be able to create something of beauty. Something that can create fruits of substance and soul and hope instead of the strange fruit that was once born. You see, we do sit in the shade of trees we did not plant. It's very likely that none of us sitting here today directly planted that tree. But for good or for ill, we live in its shade. As I look around and see people of European descent, white people, we have had advantages that came to us without our bidding. And African Americans among us have had 
things to overcome that they did not deserve and did not earn either. They did not ask for. They did not plant. And it's not that that doesn't matter. It does matter. The question is, can we find the strength to do what that group of people did? To do what Moses told the Israelites that was going to have to happen after they were given this land with wells they did not dig, with cities they did not build, with fine things in the houses they did not have, with orchards and vineyards they did not plant, that they were to be grateful. They were not to thank themselves. They were to thank God because it's God that had provided for them. So my question for you today is in theological reflection. How can we go deep? How can we ask the questions and seek the answers that we don't usually look for? How can we find a truth that shall make us free? How can we honor the trees that stand where we did not plant?